You're listening to Zen Sandwich, a podcast for the independent mind and anyone who embraces life despite its absurdities. Join former attorney and professor turned Japanese papermaker Mark Reed each week as he talks with creative, inspiring, and influential people, or as he shares his own research to help make your world a little better today than it was yesterday. Hey, here we are. Uh, today's guest is more of a co-host than a guest. Uh, she's she's a natural of this sort of thing. And uh, I mean, seriously, I'm I'm surprised she's not already like a daytime talk show host or something like that. And I, I mean that as a, the highest compliment <laughs> I can give. Um, but I asked her on because her videos are top quality. They're insightful. She's a, such a likable person. Her views, from what I can tell, pretty much align with mine. Um, it just seemed fitting to ask. But I'm intrigued by some of the things I've seen of hers, which involve entrepreneurship. I'll ask her about that in a moment. Um, we're also going to discuss today about social media. For some reason, it seems like that's it's been in the air more recently, just more posts and frustrations and comments about the role of social media. And I've tweaked my own viewpoints over the past uh, year and a half on how I feel about it. So uh, without further ado she joins me now from the phoenix area in arizona welcome angelique stidham hi thanks for having me i really appreciate being here well uh i want to ask first because your videos are so amazing who does your video editing it, they're superb do you do you do it thanks so much yeah i do all the editing that's quite impressive yeah. did you go to school for? i know you went to arizona state did you uh did you go to school for that I didn't go to school for this. Actually, I went to school for architecture and interior design. I have three degrees Wow! and I'm not using any of those degrees. <laughs> I've got a law degree and here we are on Zen sandwich. <laughs> well, you know, there it is. And I, and I love that part of your story because I do resonate with that. What happened was I graduated right when the market crashed and there was like real estate design. This was all a luxury. And I was a single mom at the time that I couldn't afford to jump into a luxury um, industry where the intro positions were like minimum wage at the time. Mm. I mean, it was horrible. You were competing with people with, you know, big books of business. And I didn't have that. I had degrees, right? right. Which was supposed to mean something. Yeah. But the concepts that I learned while I was learning design is where I now use all of those in my editing style and in my design style when I'm branding. So the concept of white space and, you know, just hmm. design and space in general, designing with, with the human in mind. So let's do some, some bio stuff. And, you know, we know the, we know that you're from Arizona and what you've studied now, but uh, I actually put together a fast five Q and a, and it doesn't have to be fast. I mean, we the whole episode can be this if you want. Um, and a listener can play along at home or in the car, wherever they are. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. Question number one. What song would be your theme music or what's your go-to song in the shower or whatever? I have different answers for both, but it could be the same. What's your theme music? Oh, gosh. I am such a classic rock person. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I would have to say it's got to be something hollow notes. Like oh. my husband knows if I'm in a bad mood, he just, Alexa, play hollow notes radio. I'm better. It's Sarah weird. Smile is one of my favorite songs of all time. Man. <laughs> I'm, well, okay. So 
I'm going to have to say Little River Band reminiscing. Nice. I, I don't mind some cool change either. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you know that one from Little River Band. Yeah. Either that or the, uh, the uh, I can't go for that. I will have to uh. say that between those two songs, <laughs> those could be on repeat and I am not mad about it. And that might actually, maybe that fits with your personality. I don't want to, you know, put anything here on you, but yeah. I can't go for that. Yeah. I, w- <laughs> I would have to say I'm a little bit of a rebel. Yeah. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> My theme, I want the music from Shaft just because it's awesome. Like, I just want to hear that all the time when I walk around. And, uh, and uh, oh, yeah. um, but my go-to song is for a crazy reason. Do you know the Gypsy Kings? Gypsy Kings? No. Yeah, they're, uh, you should. They're great. Uh, they've been around a long time. But uh, there's a song called Bombaleo. And it's not that it's my favorite song. I use it when, uh, do you ever, my head is like a radio station. I wake up and somehow there's a random song stuck in my head. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing. Right. Yes. And it's like, oh my God, I can't get this REO Speedwagon song out of my right. head or something. And so all I do, my go-to is Bumbleo by, uh, I'm not going to sing it here, but like it, it just, it's so powerful. It's a good song. It's not great, but it just dominates whatever was in my head. So it just pushes out any bad song. Yeah, gosh. Well, I would have to say like, even anybody listening probably wants to like know what this song is so if you can't play it you know if you don't have the rights to play it you got to sing it mark bomboleo bomboleo <laughs> so i'm definitely editing that out. <laughs> that's don't edit gone that out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so great now well at least i'm gonna look it up though yeah, no, I, please I do because yeah. that was not a good rendition but that's the best i could <laughs> do for you today um i love it Number two, what is the most irrational superstition you have? Oh, irrational. I'll give you mine if it'll help, if it'll help trigger yours okay. is this is the most irrational, dumbest thing ever. Cause I'm not, I'm, I don't believe in superstitions generally. I don't believe in luck and all this thing, but I love football, American football. And when I'm watching it and like, let's say it's a kicker who's about to kick a field goal and he's, he hasn't missed all season long. Like I, I would feel like I can't say, oh, this guy never misses. I'd never say something like but that before the kick as if I had some power over right. the result of the kick. I would feel like there was some, I would jinx it just by me sitting over here in Japan watching a, an American football game on the other side of the world saying something before he kicks, it's going to ruin it. Yeah. Okay. I, <laughs> I definitely know I'm not a very superstitious person. Right. So. So that's, that's the first thing. But I did used to believe that if you put your purse on the ground, that you would be broke. <laughs> you would block your money blessings or whatever. So I did used to think that for sure. So does, and that used to be a rule for me. Does it linger then still so that like, even before you put your purse on the ground now, you're like, okay, I can do it. It's not a big deal. But it like, do you yes. pause? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I have to, I have to remind myself that this is not a real thing right. and just freaking put your purse on the ground. Yeah, I get, for I sure. But that is absolutely irrational to think by placing your purse on the ground, you're suddenly like getting all of the broke juju. Yeah. And it's just going to like, like suck the money out of your purse or something. <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know I th- where it I came think from. we all got them. We all got them. Um, three, if you had to get a tattoo, I don't know if you're a tattoo person or not. It doesn't matter. But if you had to get one today, what would you get? Okay. I don't have any tattoos, but I have often wanted to get a tattoo. 
because I thought this is something that you could do that's like super meaningful and like belongs to you, right? It's almost like a part of your personal brand or whatever. Right. And I always love the idea of getting a tattoo. And I think what it is, is because I love the idea of commitment, but I have commitment issues. <laughs> I could committing to something permanent in that way. Yeah. It's Seriously, tough. It's tough. But if I were, I think the one thing I know I would get my husband and I talked about um, replacing our rings with tattoos oh, yeah. because we just sometimes like don't want to, I'm not really a jewelry person. So right. wearing rings, it would just be more convenient for me. The other thing would be a butterfly. Oh, well that fits for, we, we will talk uh, in a moment about the butterfly video. So, well, that's yeah. fitting. Yeah. yeah. I think I, I'm not a tattoo person either. I don't have any. Um, and for similar reasons, I just don't want to permanently put something on my body that, so it's a commitment thing for me too, but, uh, <laughs> it is I'm like, but if I had to, I think I'd get like a compass just because of the whole world travel thing. Huh. Um, yeah, I, I, I still don't want to, but if I had to, that's probably mm, what I would do. A compass holds a very deep meaning for me. Yeah, me yeah. too. If we have time, I'll share it. <laughs> um, do you have a number four? Do you have a personal mantra? something you tell yourself my mine is uh is oddly british it, it doesn't have anything to do with zen i have two and they're both british i don't know why but one comes from winston churchill he says okay. he and he's quoted as in saying in war two never 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 quit um and so i tell myself that and i've had failures and fell down in uh different uh, literally and in other ways in life. And I, I still tell myself never, never, never quit. And the whole British thing, keep calm and carry on. You know, I, I remind myself, stay calm, go forward. So what is your, what is your mantra? I would say one is if you believe you can, you will, because belief is a, is a big part of what it is that we are able to achieve and what holds us up. Yep. The other one is you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. I can't, I can't I argue think, with that logic. <laughs> and I think that's where I became a professional rabbit hole hunter was in the finding what it is that I, that you don't know. We're, go we're going there next, actually. That was, <laughs> well, I mean, I'm going to do the fifth of the fast five and then we're okay. going ra rabbit hole. Uh, right. But actually, this is a good transition because uh, this question came somewhat out of your uh, video that we alluded to before the butterfly, the caterpillar butterfly video. And the question is this, how do you make tough decisions? Like it can be something simple, like you're in the cereal aisle and there's 400 cereals to choose from, or it could be big, like buying a house or whatever. How do you, how do you make tough decisions? Yeah, this is such a good question and it's, I'm fully loaded. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. I set out asking this exact same question a year ago because I had a really, really tough decision to make. And mm -hmm. I sat there with lists of pros and cons and I'm like, this isn't cutting it. This isn't helping me under move forward in making the decision emotionally. Mm -hmm. Like logically, I knew what I should do, but emotionally I was so conflicted. And that was the part where I went, this has to align, right? It mm -hmm. has to all like line up in order for you to move forward. The problem was that I didn't have any sense of framework around how to make decisions, just not even just like tough ones, just regular ones. Sometimes I just made them because 
it clicked, it made sense, and I didn't actually understand why I was making the decision I, I was. It was just the fact that I could make a decision. And sometimes they're so deeply rooted in these programs that are like running in the background of our subconscious, right? We don't understand what the trigger is. We make good decisions. We make bad decisions, but we call them good decisions. Right. And so not having any framework really bothered me, especially when it came time to making a life altering decision. Nice. And this is a decision that was going to impact my future, my business, mm -hmm. my income. Like it was huge for me and it was highly emotionally charged. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I, um, Sean Cannell, who's a big YouTuber, he okay. had posted a question saying, if you could have lunch with anyone, hmm. who would it be? And what would you ask them? Right. And I said, if I could, since I already had to sit down with Sean for like, three, four hours and picked his brain about tons of stuff. I thought, okay, well, the next person, I actually had a list of people and the questions <laughs> that I would ask them if I ever had the opportunity, because you got to be prepared, right? Right. So Chris Doe was on my list and I said, it would be Chris Doe. Chris Doe responds to me and says, ask away. Wow. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. This is, <laughs> this is how the internet works. Yeah. Sometimes. I never really, yeah. I never really <laughs> used Twitter until I thought well, you could just tweet anybody you want. So I did literally. Yep. So I start, I asked him, what is the framework and how you make decisions? He said, you just do. Mm. And I was highly disappointed with that answer. I was completely unsatisfied. I felt yeah. like, why even tell me to ask you a question if you're not going to give me an answer? Not can give you a real answer, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, whatever. He, he has the freedom to answer or not answer, Angelique, like whatever. Mm -hmm. So I went on a quest. And in that quest, it was not just to make a decision about what it was I was facing, but in how you make decisions. This was super important to me. I wanted to have a framework, not just for me, but also to, be, to give to my kids. Mm. Because if I didn't have a framework for making decisions, they for sure didn't, right? Because right. I would have never taught them one. Right. And I started thinking through, what is it? So I started asking everyone. It was literally a question in my clubhouse bio for like a solid six months. Mm. It was, how do you make decisions? And I would go in storm stages and I would ask them, this is my question. This is what I want to know. If you want to DM me your answer, that's fine. If you want to share it out here aloud, that's totally fine too. I just want to know, how do you make decisions? And the majority of people had no clue. And I thought, yeah. this is a serious problem, yeah. right? Yeah. So Cortland Warren, he has been my mentor for a while. I He's the one him, in, the, in the butterfly video. That's right. Yeah. And I asked him and he said, um, you have to, well, first he had, he already had this decide video out there, but in this decide video, he says, you have to decide what is non-negotiable. When you determine what is non-negotiable in your life, that is where you can make decisions because then your decisions lead towards what is non-negotiable or away from, right? Mm -hmm. So the life, the, the relationship, the health, the lifestyle, these level of success, whatever those things are, if once you have taken and removed all the things that are no, no longer options for you, in his, in the video, he says, when you decide on something, you're removing all other alternatives. That's the side all, part of decide. That's right. That yeah. the, the C-I-D-E is 
pesticide, suicide, homicide that Genocide. needs to remove, yeah. to kill off. And so I loved this video that he did and I wanted to really dive into it. And through this journey, right, of this like six, nine months that I had been just heavily researching this, I started to really think through what it was that was holding me back from making these decisions. So not only did I go through and creating like a framework and making the decision, I started to really peel back the layers because it's not as easy as deciding what's non-negotiable in your life. That's hmm. a decision, right? Right. Yeah, that is <laughs> so right. Before, before you can make a decision, you have to make decisions. Like this to me was just like enter the rabbit hole, right? Ah, like okay. here we're going down deep. So I start peeling back the layers and I start asking the question of why can't I decide what is non-negotiable for me? Because mm -hmm. so many things were optional. I guess part of it was that I was always taught to work with what you got, be grateful for what you have, right? And a right. lot of these ideologies were messing with me creating goals and manifesting or whatever the case was, right? But just calling into my life and how I wanted my life to change. Mm -hmm. It's the belief. No, oh, okay. Before you can make decisions, you have to assess your beliefs. What is it that you truly believe? You can say, I want to be a millionaire, but if you do not believe that you can be a millionaire, it doesn't it matter. It ain't going to happen. That's right. It doesn't matter what <laughs> yeah. decisions you make along the way. You will never make them from a place of you believe that this is going to happen to you. So you are going to make decisions that are going to self-sabotage. Mm -hmm. You'll make decisions that are going to lead you in a direction to prove that you are right, that you don't mm -hmm. deserve it, that you won't have it, right? Do you apply this framework across the board? And what I mean by that is, you know, I sort of jokingly suggested like whether it's the cereal aisle or whether you're, you know, starting a business or buying a house. Well, do you, if you're in the cereal aisle or whatever, do you still apply this kind of framework? Like, okay, Fruity Pebbles is non-negotiable. I'm not buying sugary stuff. Or do you, do you see what I'm saying? Do you use the same framework for small decisions and big decisions, or is this just for a big decision thing? Yeah, it is. It's, it's all your decisions. When they, when you start rooting them into what is non-negotiable, then you are no longer rerouting yourself in your your path along, so the, this is along a, the way this is a mindset then i mean that you're you're using because life is just a series of decisions <laughs> right exactly yeah okay. and one day you wake up and you realize why am i not where i thought i was going to be mm. it's because it was not non-negotiable right it was uh -huh. negotiable your journey your destination the journey part is really the entire part of it i mean even if we do hit a goal, we're still on a journey. So it's always a journey, right? right? But it is those decisions along the way. It's the things when we say, we don't really feel like doing this. We don't really like to do this. I'm not a fan of pushing forward. You got to hmm. find out why you don't want to do it. That's right. the thing is that we can't keep ignoring ourselves because then we aren't present when we show up places, right? Hmm. And that's the part for me is stopping for a moment to say, that's not, I don't, nope, that's not enough for me. I don't feel satisfied. I need to figure out why it is I don't feel satisfied. So I'm an emotional eater. And for me, this is a big thing when it comes to food mm -hmm. is like food is a hundred percent positive experience for me all the time. <laughs> like food loves me. I love it. Right. Yeah. You do well in Japan. That's, that's the way the Japanese perceive it as well, but <laughs> in that it's a positive experience or whatever. So they're, um, but not not so much the the part of like 
food loves me and I love it. But they, uh, anyway, I'm going, I'm going down my own rabbit hole with this, but like one of the cultural differences I point out to my wife all the time is that literally every meal, um, she's Japanese by the way. And so literally every meal, like, especially if we're at her family's house, my in-laws, everyone comments on the deliciousness of the food or not. And like, you know, that it's really kind of peculiar in the West. We don't like, we could sit down with some friends and have a meal. Maybe nobody even mentions what we're eating the whole time. That never, that hundred percent never happens in Japan. Japanese people will take two bites and the word for delicious is oishi. So they'll just take two bites. Oh, oishi, oishi, oishi. Everybody's got to comment on the food. So anyway, that, that's no. a completely random rabbit hole topic. That's, but... that's my jam though. And I think that that's exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. We could take a note from that actually, hmm. because if we were to comment along the way, and not quiet our subconscious so much, mm. right? Yeah. And we were to be so present in the experience that we understand that, you know what? I took two steps and now mm. I'm feeling something. Hold on a second. Let me let me call it by its name. Yeah, let that, me describe what this is, right? That is actually a good uh, observation you just made because it's really kind of rooted in the culture here. And it it's Zen without them even thinking or realizing that, I mean, there's, uh, they're not necessarily Zen practitioners, but it's sort of somewhat rooted in the culture. So they are kind of observing as they go along and acknowledging it. So. And, and fleshing it out of their system. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and as a society, as a culture, we are, we are taught to stuff it all in, keep our thoughts. Those are inside thoughts. We wouldn't want them to get out. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, well, uh, but let's talk about the rabbit holes. Uh, okay. stuff because on your bio you you state you are a professional rabbit hole professional. hunter yes so what does that mean okay i got this title because i had closed down my business i closed down my business because i was tired of dealing with people who could give a shit about their business they would mm. call me they would hire me and they wanted me to work some magic and <laughs> i would come in and i would fix their problem and all the while they would be sabotaging all of the things that I was doing because they yeah. didn't understand. They didn't feel that they needed to understand what it was I was doing or what they needed to do in order to scale and grow their business. That was really frustrating for me because like, why would I want to spend the time? I don't even care if you're paying me at this point. It's frustrating because I want to see this. I want to see you win. I win when you win. And I right. loved that my wins were, were attached to somebody else's wins because then it's win-win, right. right? And it wasn't just about money for me. I, will, I also want to know that what I do works. And so right. I, I can't prove the results if they're sabotaging all of my efforts. That's right. frustrating. But when it did work, it was like, wow, look at how it works. And then other people would say, we want to hire you. Okay, fast forward. I end up closing down my business because I realized that why am I not doing this for myself? If I can grow these other people's businesses and make them so much more money than I would ever have gotten paid from them, right? Right. I'm changing lives and futures and families. Why am I not just applying all of this to me? Because mm. there's no way that I'll be able to grow at that scale doing this business model. Mm. Just do it for yourself. So I said, okay, I'm going in. That's, that's what I'm doing. I'm building my own machine. I know how to do this and I'm not gonna sabotage myself. So they kept calling me. And some of them I had already fired. Like literally I fired more than two handfuls of clients because yeah. I just have 
low tolerance for BS. Good for you. <laughs> and they would call me and I would say, why are you calling me? You know, I'm not going to help you. I'm not for hire. I, I will. You cannot hire me back. Why are you keep calling me? They say, because your brain works different than other people's. Please, can we just run something past you just this one time? And I'd say, no, right? <laughs> Some other people that <laughs> I really did enjoy working with, yeah. I'd say, yes, okay, well, give me your problem. Let's, let's work it through. And they kept calling. And I'd say, gosh, you know, guys, I've been closed now for like a year. Why are you still calling me? And mm. I decided to go back through and call everyone and say, and ask them, why do you still call me? They said, because you're like a, you're like a rabbit hole hunter. <laughs> you find all the problems and you ah. see things that we can't see and you are willing to go down and deep into that where our brains would bleed if we tried to peel back those layers and understand the problem the way that you do. And so that's why we like to call you because you can see things we can't. I found that so interesting because I didn't see myself as a professional problem solver. I saw myself as a professional marketer, right? Yeah. But in need, truth, that's what I was doing. I need to get you on the payroll for the, uh, the podcast here. And, uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the, here's the thing. Every time I was hunting, right? Mm -hmm. they, would, they would give me the assignment. I would go out and I would be surveying and just checking out the scene. <laughs> and I'd have to then tell them they're the rabbit. Uh, it's the, the problem is them. That they're the problem. Yeah. yeah. But oftentimes yep. they would be the ones because a lot of people ask for they speak of rabbit holes. I have, I have a saying, let me see if I can think of it because I have it written down. Many speak of rabbit holes for some, they're merely, many speak of rabbit holes for some, they're merely habits, mm -hmm. but few will only ever ask where are all the rabbits? <laughs> Interesting. There yeah. might be a title to this episode in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the, that's the, I guess that's the sense of where I got the title from. So I didn't give myself that title. My clients did. But I held on to it because I thought that is exactly what I do. I do that in my family as a mom, right? Yeah, I course. do that in my marriage. I do that everywhere. So being friends with me, being connected to me in any way, we are going down some rabbit holes. Or if you, if I walk in and I just happen to see one, right? I have mm. to ask, like, why is this hole here? <laughs> let's go in, let's go check it out. And often the only way out is through. And that's what I've learned in my life. I've learned that in my business. I've learned that in my relationships, that the only way out sometimes when there is a hole, you can't keep walking around. You'll just keep digging more. Yeah. You have well, to go in. Well, let's, with our remaining time, let's explore one more rabbit hole. And, um, and maybe your low tolerance for BS, that's what you said before, will, uh, will pertain to this as well. Let's talk about social media for a second. Okay. Um, I know that these are two separate topics that, um, but, um, that, you know, they might be related here because I, I know that you're present uh, all across social media on YouTube and Twitter, uh, elsewhere. Um, th this is almost like a second set of fast five, uh, that we could go through, but I'm curious what your answers are because mine evolve, but like question one is like, how apt are you to accept a connection or friend request depending on the platform? When with no message. So if a random person just says, Hey, I want to be uh Angelique, I want to be your friend or connection, do you just blindly accept or do you or do you have a framework for deciding that? Oh yeah. Okay. LinkedIn, I'll accept it unless you sell me something in the inbox. That's the you're out. As soon as somebody tries to sell me something, 
through a personal message before we know each other. That's right. You're gone. You're, <laughs> you're gone. Yeah. <laughs> you had one shot and yes. you blew it. Yes. I mean, <laughs> you're out the door immediately. But uh, on but on Facebook, I'm much more selective. So I have like there's there seems to be something I don't mean to cut you off there, but the, there seems to be something that's different about the platforms in that regard. I, I was trying yeah. to explain that to someone the other day is that, you know, Facebook is more like I really need to physically know you in the world. Right. Whereas LinkedIn, you know, I, I'm I'm OK with making a connect. Maybe it's just the verbiage of friend versus connection. It's a friend on Facebook. It's a connection in LinkedIn. It's a more of a networking type platform. But if I don't, if a random person did a friend request on Facebook, I, I just, you know, no is the answer. <laughs> but yeah. if, but on LinkedIn, you know, of course I'm more um, open to that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's where I am. Every other place you can just like follow people. So you don't necessarily have to connect in that way. And on LinkedIn, you can too. You can just follow people. But if people want like more connections or whatever, like I don't care. Like, let's yeah. Just Let's just bring everybody in and then we'll kick them out as they as they mess up. You know what I mean? I, I looked at it the other day. Well, this this uh, because on Twitter, see, I'm, I'm on four platforms, mostly because I have to be because of the podcast. I, I actually wouldn't. I'm not a social media junkie, but I have a podcast. I've got to promote it. So I'm yeah. there, you know, and I try to enjoy my presence there. And, uh, you know, but Twitter has taught me and to have you you mentioned the low tolerance for bs i have a zero tolerance these days for trolls and critics now some people like on linkedin will let the trolls run because it helps the algorithm and helps your post get seen more i got no interest in that i don't want to use that as a means to get a wider audience if somebody comes in and they're bringing a political agenda or a religious agenda on my non-political non-religious post you're gone and uh, you're, I, gone. you're gone. I, <laughs> I learned that from Twitter because Twitter can be brutal. And so, you know, I just had people say, Hey man, you've got to learn where that block button is. And so when I got over, I was sort of late to the show on LinkedIn, but I, it's now my preferred platform. I, I spend more time there than anywhere else. But because of that kind of experience on Twitter, I just don't even entertain. If somebody comes in and they're, crash in my party i delete the comment and block them and i just and move on with my life i just forget it <laughs> how yeah. how apt are you to block people and i think i think isn't that where we should be we should be in a place where no matter how hard somebody tries to push us right from the front the back left or right that we are so centered in mm. who we are that we it doesn't mess up our whole day if somebody yeah. else is having a bad day that we can just move forward because it's non-negotiable for us to I love not, that. In a, not in like a toxic way either, but just in a, we are so centered type of way. That's my goal. If I, if awesome. I had a life goal, it would be that, that no matter what your day is like, if I can improve it, great. If not, you can't, you can't fuck mine up. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's, what, awesome. that's, that's not negotiable. I love it. I, I think yeah. that is the theme here is it, it's not negotiable. Um, well, we're, we're running towards the end here. I do a segment at each, in each episode called five minutes Zen, and, uh, it doesn't have to be Zen related. It's just something practical, something down to earth. My question for you, Angelique is how do you detach 
from social media or, uh, you know, whatever's going on in the world, uh, a lot of bad news in the, in the media these days. How do you like remove yourself when it's non-negotiable? Uh, do you do it through a glass of wine, through meditation, a little bit of both? Uh, sometimes it's cooking for me. Sometimes I get in the zone when I'm, when I'm cooking. And uh, so what, you know, how do you detach? I, I have to go inside. I have to sit and clear out what it is that I'm experiencing. So mm-hmm. if I'm having a really great day, right, then you don't want to detach from that. Right. However, it's, it impacts your sleep quality and things like that for you to try to like then wind down. You still have to wind down into a restful place. Mm-hmm. And what I do is I try to go into my workshop, which is something that I learned through a personal development course. And this is a place that you design in your mind. This is also part of the secret in the Think and Grow Rich book, if you've not read that. Napoleon Hill? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've read it. A, a lot of a lot of books and and theories kind of go along with this concept. Mm. And in this workshop is where I go to like place things and I go to do extra work, but sometimes when I'm really holding on to something, I I unload it into there. So then if I need to revisit it, I can, but at least I have a place that I'm actively doing something with it so that I'm not allowing it to fester inside of of my body present itself as some kind of like poison from the inside out because stress can do that. Right. But what I try to do is just disconnect and not disconnect from myself, hmm. but just from the other things. I try to really keep it all in and honor that whatever my experience is, either I want more of it or less of it. Right. Yeah, that's it. Right. That's yeah. key. So I go into my workshop. That's awesome. I love it. I'm going to, I got to work on my workshop. Um, well, uh, what else you got going on or where, where can people find you if they, if they do want to follow you? Uh, I know you're on LinkedIn, Twitter, or what are your handles? Your... Yeah, it's um, Angelique Stidham. That's okay. my name everywhere. So they can just search for me there. Um, you'll probably see me with some, with my, with my brain glasses. <laughs> yeah. You're, uh, my... yeah, uh, yeah I, I should, that's a whole nother episode. Just trademark getting... glasses. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so Twitter, Angelique's Twitter, um, Instagram, okay. my more personal journey is over on Facebook, okay. but LinkedIn, you know, I, I agree with you. That's really been my jam. I really enjoyed my time over there. It's You're changed over there a lot. It's yeah. changed in, you know, like, uh, 10 years ago, I thought, what business would I have on LinkedIn? That's just a network. That's just a resume site. It, it actually is much, much, much more social these days. And without, nearly as much vitriol if some of that's there there's still some political people there who want to uh screw with your your jam but uh um but for the most part it's much more hospitable i, I don't know I, I just find it's a little it's the social media platform i want <laughs> without the junk or the um you know some of the uh trolling that goes on yeah. in other places yeah yeah, so, less of those like, you know, take this quiz and find out which Disney character you are. Yeah, you know? I can't stand that stuff. And in fact, <laughs> LinkedIn did go a little, got a little ruined for a little while. The, the polls were just so popular and people were just post, that's all they did was post polls. And yeah, I, I got to a point, so speaking of non-negotiable, <laughs> this is a perfect example. I got, I'll, I'll make this it. real fast. I got so sick of bullshit polls on LinkedIn. I mean, they were just bullshit, which is better, a peanut butter jelly sandwich or a slice of pepperoni pizza, pizza, whatever, yeah, whatever yeah. the hell. And I'm like, what are you doing? 
What are you doing? What's your, what is your motivation? Is it just, you want likes, thumbs ups? What, you know? And so I got to a point where I'm like, I just refused to answer or comment on anyone's poll. And it even got, I was so bullheaded about this. Like I would occasionally, usually I didn't even read a poll. I, if I saw those little poll options, like uh-uh, non-negotiable, I'm not doing it. And so I just scroll fast so I couldn't even read it. And then occasionally like somebody I really like would post one and I really like this person. So I'll at least read it. And it might even be an interesting poll, but I just, I stuck to my guns. I never answered a poll question. Just, I know I'm not doing it on principle alone because just stop these stupid polls. Anyway, they, fi- no. they, they fixed that. Yeah. Just no, that's the, my answer. No. And uh, they LinkedIn fixed that in the algorithm. They no longer get you the, the stardom that they used to. You don't, you don't get out there by doing them anymore. I'm so glad they did. But. You know, and that's, it's so sad that we're at a place where we are willing to just put anything out there just for the sake of getting likes, views, comments, growth, followers, we'll literally put anything out. And people are saying, what if, what if, what happens if you don't have anything to post, you should do these ideas and just make up some stuff. And it's like, or just don't post. Yeah, I actually, I'm, that's a good one to wrap it up on because, uh, I, I've been stuck before. I, I kind of have a vault of, you know, my shtick on uh, LinkedIn is to post a video and then work in a Zen tip somehow. And and sure, I am going for an audience. I have a podcast. I want people to follow the me. And so, and, you know, maybe I get 2% of those people to actually listen to an episode. So it's helpful in that way. But I do more than that. I do actually want to uh, cause a change or uh, influence. I've had, I've had dozens of messages where people say like, Hey, I really, I really needed to hear that today. I needed your post. I needed to hear your positive encouragement today. And even if that person never listens to the podcast, I, that makes my day and I'm happy I did it. And then, but if I get to a point where I don't have something and I don't have something to offer of value, then I just don't, I just skip that day's post because I'm not doing it just to do it. You know, I do, I do want to help people maybe to brighten someone's day, uh, you know, or, or give someone a new positive mindset that they never had before. They never thought of it this way before. I want to affect some change in a positive way. And if I can't do that, I just don't post. Well, you you do a great job with your content. It's funny. You (laughs) keep the energy going and it breaks up the monotony of here's what you should be doing stop doing this. Don't do that. There's just so many people that are posting at everyone that when you post something where you like bring people together, you know, that's, that's where it's at. Like that's the jam. When people talk about (laughs) jam, like that's why jam is like the thing that just really buttons it all up and makes you go, "Mm." because it's, it's so sweet and it feels so good. Right. That experience, it loves you and you love it back. And I love that you that you stick with that type of content. It's much needed, especially on a platform like LinkedIn, you know? Well, thank yeah, it's it definitely is a little different than what other people are doing there. And uh and I am, you know, kind of uh tuned into that. But well, sweet. Uh it is. Thank you so much. Um and folks, if you're listening, if you got three bucks lying around, I know you do. Three bucks is nothing. You can help out this show by going to patreon.com slash sandwich. Someday I'm going to make this a full-time gig and it's going to remain ad-free with your help. Um, and when you do, when you support the show, I will mail you a postcard on Washi, 
that's traditional Japanese paper that my wife and I make. Uh, that's what we do for a living here in Japan. And I will send you that postcard. Angelique, I'll send you one just as a thank you for coming on the show. When we get off air, I'll get an address and I'll send you a a washi postcard. And, uh, but if, uh, if you're listening, you support the show, I'll send you one to wherever you are in the world. And I'll give you a shout out on the show. Who doesn't like international mail and podcast fame, right? Uh, Angelique, thank you for your time. It's been entertaining and insightful. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. I really appreciate being here and I'm excited to join you and watching you grow and be a part of you building your community. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. You're now in the sandwich society. That's the hashtag I'm, I'm trying to start with this thing. I love a good sandwich. (laughs) There you go.